You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Moving Day, where we're taking a look at how the Holy Spirit moves us out to advance God's kingdom. Last week, we started a brand new series called Moving Day. Moving Day, and uh, it's, uh, it's a series building on the series prior to that, that, that God rebuilds an army so that he can move the army out to advance his kingdom. And last week, we, we took a look at Acts 1-8, and where Jesus said uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and uh, give you power uh, to, 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 to be witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and we didn't go into that geographical deal, and, and, and hopefully I can kind of get into that a little bit today. But, but really, what we're going to be looking at throughout this entire season is the Spirit moving them out through uh, those different levels. And, 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 and we, we took a look at the word witness, and that that's not a Christian word. The word witness is not a Christian word. It's, it wasn't a spiritual word. It was a word. It was a marketplace word. It was somebody who observed something and then shared about that observation to somebody else. And so Phil got my subliminable message last week uh, about you know the, 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 the script and the Hall of Fame. Those of you that, that don't know me and heard me say this, the Hall of Fame by the script and Will, will I Am. That's, that's like my favorite song. That's what I wake up to. That's my ringtone. It's, it's, it's my favorite song, and, and, and Phil texted me while he was at the script concert and said, I'm listening to, to the script, sing Hall of Fame, smiley face, you know, like, ha, 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 get video. Well, apparently, he would have had his phone broken, and that he would have been arrested and put in, into Guantanamo Bay if he would have taken video of that. So, he showed Jack video of Cool Drum Solo, and I got a sarcastic little snarky text. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate it. I've got issues to deal with and you're kicking my boxes. So I've got anger and jealousy and fits of rage issues I need to deal with. Me and Phil. So if you don't see Phil next week, that's why. But so witness, witness. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us. The Holy Spirit, we are going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, immersed soaked in the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit gives us power to be witnesses, to observe, to observe what God has done, and then be able to tell others. In Matthew, the way Matthew writes it, is that Jesus told them uh, to go and make disciples, which being a witness is like the starting point of making disciples. And he tells the guys, hey, look, I am going to be with you always. I'm going to give you authority to do this, and I will always be with you to do this. He is going to give us power. And the God of the impossible is about the God who gives us the power to make disciples. Make disciples is a buzzword. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the Bible. And we talk maybe a lot about that, but we're like, how do we make disciples? And again, just like witness, making disciples, when Jesus used that, in the time period that he used that, it wasn't a spiritual word. That concept of making disciples, it wasn't spiritual. It was marketplace. It's like making apprentices. And even today, we, you know, that a disciple-apprentice concept, that's not huge unless you're in a, in a skill trade. 
So it's, it's close to like making interns, but then like our political process and people have kind of destroyed the idea of making interns, and so that's like, ooh, don't want to go there. Anyway, we'll get off of that here real fast. But making disciples, training. In the corporate world, as I read, as I read leadership books and stuff that has nothing to do with church and people who, who really have nothing to do with church themselves, as they write about good business practices and how to create a great business and a great organization, really what they're saying is make disciples. Get your culture into those people who you hire. Make disciples. And so maybe for a lot of us with a, with a church background, we think about making disciples, we're like, we, we, we go to like Sunday school images. You know, one person who studies four, five, six, seven hours a week, at least, disseminating information to 10, 20, 30, 40 people. I mean, I've seen Sunday schools larger, Sunday schools larger than the average church size in America. Like, that's not a small group. And the disseminating information, like, you want me to make disciples? I can't do that. See, in some instances, we need to lower the bar and say, that's not what Jesus had in mind about making disciples. That's not what he, what he had in mind. But in some ways, we need to raise the bar, to raise the bar away from disseminating information, just, just telling people information, to a bar that's higher than that. So what is making disciples? And how does God want us all to make disciples? We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in 14. You can grab a hardbound Bible. You can follow along on the screen. If you open up the, 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 the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, we have an event uh, page in there. And you can follow along with all the verses in there as well. And we encourage you to do that. You can take notes from inside there. You can take notes with the cheat sheets. You can, you can uh, tweet and, and Facebook from inside the Bible app. And, and we encourage you to do that and, to, and tell people what God is doing uh, through His Word in your life. But the pickups to uh, 2.14 is, is Acts chapter 2 is about Pentecost. And that's 50 days after Jesus was, was, was buried, died, buried, and resurrected. It was about 10 days after, after what we talked about last week in the Ascension. And I, as I was studying and reading a little bit about the Pentecost and what, what Pentecost was and that festival, and, and Jews from all over the Mediterranean rim would come back to Jerusalem to take part in this festival. And really what it was, was a, was a celebration festival about the harvest. That the harvest had come. And we're going to celebrate the fact that the harvest had come. <laughs> what do we call the harvest festival today? Oktoberfest, right? And as I read about, about Pentecost and the festival, there are a couple of, you know, they're like Christian commentaries, so they don't really want to go all the way there. They kind of they uh, inundated that, or uh, insinuated, that's the word I was looking for, insinuated that that's kind of what this was, and which makes 
a certain phrase in this story make a little bit more sense. Because when Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came on the disciples, not just the 11, not just the 12, but the 120, and, and, and all of them started speaking in tongues, which simply means that, they, that, that all around the Mediterranean rim, all these Jews came in with their own languages, and these Galileans were speaking all these languages in a way that they could hear. All it was, those of you that have ever seen any UN proceeding, whether it be just on the news and just a quick clip, you've got Obama or a president or, or some world leader up there speaking in English or Russian or Japanese or whatever, and all the other delegates down there listening, right? In their earpiece, in, in, in their own language. Well, it was like that without the earpiece, which is pretty, that's, that's, that's a pretty cool trick, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. And, 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 and people at that, at that event were like, holy cow, what is going on? This is amazing. And then other people were like, yeah, I know what's happening to you. <laughs> yeah. Celebrate too much the, the harvest, right? Like a little bit too much harvest celebration going on here. You guys are just drunk. And then this is where we pick it up, pick up the story. Acts 2.14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. You're like, yay, Peter, for standing up for your morals, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Like, as you're applauding Peter for your morals. Oh, dude. Because <laughs> he's just like, we're not drunk. It's way too early for that. Come back later. Like, Peter's not a Southern Baptist, is he? Like, no, no. But, and you know there's some joker in the back going, hey, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that we're drunk. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Hey, guys, we should have seen this coming. We had plenty of warning. This is what you're seeing. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Hey, guys, we should have seen this coming because, because this dude, Joel, who you know, he, he talked about this. He talked about this. That all people will receive the spirit. All people. Men, women, Free, slave, young, old, Jews, Gentiles, all people will receive the Spirit. There's a day coming that, 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 that this is going to happen. And Peter's like, this is it. This is that day. We're living out Joel 2 right now. This is it. The Spirit has come down. And I will cause wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will come, become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone, but everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How do we get the Spirit? How are we baptized in the Spirit? How do we have the presence of the Spirit? We call upon the name of the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean we just go, Jesus, 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 and the Spirit comes down on us. It's not an incantation. Calling upon the name of the Lord is the same thing then as what we would say calling out on a brand is today. The concept of name in the New and Old Testament is the same concept that we consider branding today. So to call upon the name of McDonald's isn't to go, McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. It's to become McDonald's. It's to be such a part of that organization, you live and breathe McDonald's. Maybe McDonald's is a bad illustration, but Starbucks. Starbucks, right? Starbucks, okay. Better, okay. Branding. When we read name in the New and Old Testament, think brand. In fact, as, uh, on a different sermon, as I was looking at that word name and, 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 and searched that, that the Greek word name, there is a branding company in New York City that took that same Greek word and has used it for their branding company. Because they recognized what's going on here. So calling upon the name of the Lord isn't to go, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's to say, I want all the branding of God on my life. All the character of God. All of who he is, I want him on my life. I want him to be my Lord. I want no other brand to be my Lord. I want him to be my Lord. That's who will be saved. Those of you that, 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 that maybe just kind of coming back into church. You notice how easy this is? How simple this is? He's not saying, follow this list of things to believe, and then you can be saved. He's not saying, get your life right, and then you can be saved. He's saying, wherever you are, right here and right now, recognize that there is a Lord, you're not Him, and want Him to be Lord. Now, as Peter is setting up an argument here, he is showing that the Spirit comes with this statement, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now he's going to tell us who is the Lord and these people, who is the Lord. See, how do we make disciples? How do we make disciples? Transform their mind. Now sure, we're not the ones that truly transform people's minds. But the Spirit wants to use us to help people's minds be transformed. See, we don't want converts to Christianity. We don't want people to believe the same way we believe about morality and about sin and blah, 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 blah. What we are looking for is people to recognize that Jesus isn't just a guy. Jesus isn't just a good teacher. Jesus isn't just a guy who did a few cool things, that Jesus is Lord. That's all we're looking for is to have their mind transformed from Jesus is a guy to switch Jesus is Lord. This is all Peter's looking for. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed this Jesus, the Nazarene. 
by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. As well, you know, this crowd, this crowd that Peter is speaking to, they're in their mind, Jesus was a nut job. That's what got him crucified. That's why this crowd crucified Jesus. Jesus was a nut job to them. Just another messianic guy that showed up claiming he was the Messiah, getting some sort of following, and then boom, he was killed and it's done. Another whack job. Dead. Go looking for Messiah. That's what they thought Jesus was. That was in their mind. Now, but God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Some of you are like, man, you step on my toes. Peter was stepping on their face. <laughs> you killed the man. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in his grip, in its grip. Okay, God, God proved that this guy, Jesus, was Lord by doing a bunch of signs and miracles and blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's all great, and that's all fine, and that's all dandy, and that is all true. However, what separates him from other miracle workers and puts Jesus as Lord is that the dude rose from the grave. Try that. Then we'll call you Lord. Essentially what Peter is saying. He's putting out an argument to these people who go, Jesus, nut job. And go, no, 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 no. He's not the nut job in this group here. God proved that this guy was Lord. You killed him. Then he proved it again that he was Lord by raising him up from the grave. Peter wasn't looking for them to agree about anything other than to flip the switch in their mind from Jesus was a nut job to Jesus is Lord. And as we go about our days, God wants us to have the perspective of we are disciple makers. And we have people all around us who have varying degrees of what they think, of who they think Jesus is, from nut job to never existed, to a good man, to somebody who did some interesting things, to somebody I prayed to once to get me out of hell. But none of those statements make him Lord. And all we're doing is asking God, God, give me an opportunity to flip the switch in their mind so that they can see Jesus as Lord, not anything else. Wherever they're at now, wherever they're at now, God, give me the ability to help me. I can, I can say something, but you are the one that really transforms people's mind. Flip the switch in their mind to Jesus as Lord. See, the, the, the great difficulty that uh, churches face is to move people past attendance to serving. 
And we have awesome servers here. In fact, part of the reason why we need to bust out that wall is that we have so many servers here. We need, we need more people to serve. Because we serve ourselves well. And we serve ourselves and say, we're going to put on this worship service so that people can worship. And we serve ourselves well. And, and, and we allow each other to, 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 to come in and worship. But we don't have a whole lot of room for people who don't know Jesus, don't see Jesus as Lord, to come in and join alongside with us so that we can help them flip that switch. But the great difficulty is this, of switching people from servers to disciple makers. Servers to disciple makers. So that as we're going out, we don't just attend church. As we're going out, we, just don't, we don't just serve at a church. That we are disciple makers. That we view ourselves as disciple makers. That's what God's going to give us the power to do. Is to make disciples. That is the God of the impossible. Because we all have people in our lives that when we think about them and think about them flipping the switch from, from wherever Jesus is in their mind to Jesus is Lord, we're going, that's the God of an impossible to be able to do that. And all throughout the Bible, God put on a show and showed his guns off, not for people to be impressed but so that people will see him as Lord. Everywhere from creation to David and Goliath to Elijah and, 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 and the, 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 the Baal prophets on Mount Carmel to Jesus to the miracles occurring in Acts, every one of it. It wasn't to put on a show. It was to sh show people who was and is Lord. So as we go out, think, I'm a disciple maker. And what do disciple makers do? They want people to see Jesus as Lord. But we first have to have Jesus as Lord, right? To be a witness of Jesus as Lord, we have to first know Jesus as Lord. Then we can be a witness to what it means have Jesus as Lord. As we know, it's not enough just to flip the switch, right? We, we need more. We need more transformation. We want, to see, we want to see people's lives be transformed, right? Not just their mind, but their lives. So Peter starts, uh, starts going in and making a case for Jesus being Lord from, from the writings of David and saying, hey, look, David wrote these things in the Psalms. Even before Joel came on the scene, David wrote this stuff. To prepare us for this guy that's coming that will be Lord. In Acts 2.32, Peter says this, God raised Jesus from the dead and we were all witnesses of this. Real quick, this is free, this is free. We, we are all around people who, who, who have a hard time believing that Jesus really, legitimately resurrected. This right here is the best evidence that a historical Jesus historically resurrected. Why is that? How many days after Jesus' resurrection is this? 50, right? 50. So Peter here stands up and says, you killed him. Like they're gonna, Somebody comes to you and go, you kill somebody. You, what are, you're going to bow up a little bit, right? Like, mm. So 
what are you talking about? And then he said, hey, we were all witnesses of this. Jesus rose from the grave. Nobody in that crowd goes, whoa, time out. You're off your rocker. Hey, everybody, 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 come here. I can go prove that this guy's off his rocker. He's either a lunatic or he's lying or, or, or something. Because you know what? I can go show you the body of Jesus. Nobody did that. We're talking 50 days after the event. Nobody did that. Why can we believe a historical Jesus historically resurrected? Because nobody in that crowd said, stop a minute. I can go show you the body. Nobody. Nobody did. We were all witnesses of this. We saw that he resurrected. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And in the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet, so that everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. He's like, hey, this, this David that we... Up, put up on a high pedestal this david was telling us that there was going to be a guy who was going to ascend into heaven and then everybody was going to be made his footstool i watched this guy 10 days ago ascend into heaven and god right now is making everybody into his footstool david didn't accomplish that this guy did so this guy is lord again who you crucified then what happens Peter's words pierced their hearts. If you crucified God, that is an official oh crap moment. Right? Probably worse language than that, but we, we'll stick with oh crap. If you recognize that you crucified God, that you killed God, you're just going, this is a problem. I've got a problem on my hands. And it pierced some of their hearts. They were like, oh, no. When people's minds get transformed to Jesus as Lord, and they start leading out, and they start living out a life of hearing and following Jesus, guess what's going to happen? And guess what we don't have to make happen? Their hearts will be pierced about stuff that they were never pierced before. I hope that we all have had this experience. And some of you are like, you want my heart to be pierced? Absolutely. See, it's not an evil thing to talk about sin. It's not an evil thing to, 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 to have guilt, to have a heart piercing. That is actually God the Holy Spirit coming on our life and transforming our heart so that our desires are completely different. When I was at youth ministry in Arkansas, we saw a couple, a boyfriend and a girlfriend in, in, in high school who, man, rough past, rough past, come to know Christ. And a few months later, they came up to me and like, hey, you know what, I, we had sex before we were Christian and we, we have had since, since then, and, but... 
<laughs> don't get me wrong, we still like it, but we don't either. Pierced to the heart about what's going on. I didn't have to come up to them and go, you stop it, and you stop it, and you stop it, and you stop it, and you stop. Just through their relationship with other people and the Bible and, 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 and coming closer and hearing and following God, they were pierced to the heart. Like, we, we don't want to stop, <laughs> but we do. We do. Because that's not what God wants for our lives. And there's more. And I've seen it recently in people's lives of, of, of them deciding, look, I am going to hear and follow Jesus as Lord. And now I like do something and then, and then I'm like, no. I have no desire for that anymore. What am I doing with? Encourage them and go, look, this is good. The Spirit is transforming your heart. Look, yes, we'll, we'll preach the Bible. We'll work through Bible passages. If it talks about sex, we'll talk about sex. If it talks about uh, 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 gossip, we'll talk about gossip. If it talks about all this stuff, we'll talk about it. But we don't have to condemn people. You know what the Holy Spirit's job is, according to, to, to John 16? is to convict in righteousness. All we have to do is lay out God's word and say, look, and those that God is transforming, he'll transform their heart and their desires will be completely different. That way, you know what? You know what this means? We don't have to hide behind a nice little facade. We don't have to hide behind cleaning ourselves up so much that, that, that we're just fake. Because it's not up to us to change our hearts. It's not to, up to us to change somebody else's heart. We can come and go, none of us are perfect. That's why Jesus did what he did. And as we go to our class and classes and we go to our workplaces and into our neighborhoods, we don't have to be like, oh, did you hear about her? And she's so awful. I'm going to leave her alone and blah, 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 blah. Did you hear what he did last night? Why? Because it's not our job to do that. God has put us in charge of making disciples. All they have is a lordship issue. The same lordship issue that every one of us has had. And as we begin to engage in their life and have opportunity to share about Jesus as Lord and maybe they start walking in that, God will start transforming their life. But that's not all that we want to see, right? When they were pierced to the heart, they, they asked, what can we do? 
We killed God. Is there anything we can do to, to make this up, right? This is a problem. Is there anything we can do to make up for this? Or are we hopeless? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Transformed feet, right? Transformed mind and transformed heart into transformed feet. Of, we see a life that starts following after Jesus and it, it starts with repentance and actually repentance is a gift of grace. Repentance is a gift of grace. Because, like I said earlier, Peter didn't go, here's what you got to do in order to make up for killing God. See, if, if, if Peter stood in front of a group of people and said, you killed God, and when they asked what we can do, and he just says, repent. I mean, shouldn't that work for our sins? Shouldn't that work for the people, the, 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 the people that were around that were going, oh, you're destroying your life? Wouldn't repentance be what worked for them too? We're not asking them to, to believe a bunch of just checkbox stuff. We're not looking for them to even agree with us about what all sin is or even agree with God. He'll have time to deal with that because he has time to deal with that with us, right? Newsflash. Not a single one of us agree with God 100% in everything in our life. We all have areas he's trying to transform. And repentance fixes all of that. So when somebody comes to us and goes, man, I've blown it. What do I do? Simply tell them, repent. Have your old crap moment. And then say, God, I want this to be turned around completely. I don't want my life to look like that. I want my life to be turned around completely. Don't promise God you'll never do it again. That's not what Peter just said. Set yourself up for failure. Set yourself up for heartache. Set yourself up for, for, for blowing it and walking away from God because you're going, I, God does, he's heard me repent one too many times. Repentance, repentance is a normal act of anybody who is fearing and following Jesus. Normal act. Don't promise God you won't ever do it again. Promise God that every time I do do it, I will turn right back into your arms. I'll go right back to you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Immerse yourself with Jesus. See, that's where forgiveness comes. In the name of Jesus. In the character and the branding of Jesus. 
in, in, in us saying, Jesus, you are Lord, and I want my life to show that. That's where forgiveness comes. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. So when we're going about our days, it's not about winning an argument. It's not about having our apologetics so in line that, that we can mash somebody into the ground with our intelligence. What Paul calls, what Paul says about that is that's arrogance. But rather, we have a heart that breaks over people who are destroying their life. The same way we have destroyed our life before Jesus. The same way that we would still be destroying our life if Jesus and the Holy Spirit hadn't transformed us. And our heart breaks over what they're doing with their life and we just simply want to start with Jesus is Lord. And lead them on a journey of what it looks like to hear and follow Jesus as Lord. See, that's what the Holy Spirit will give us power to do. To go out into our communities and do exactly that so that lives will be transformed. See, what's amazing, I think we've got a graphic of this. What's amazing is that in this instant, in this instant, Peter was preaching to people just like him, other Jews. But they were from every nation that they considered to be under heaven at that point in time. And in an instant, in an instant, when Peter was preaching to people just like him, God, in his power, allowed the gospel to be shared with the known world at that time. That's power, right? That's impressive. Peter didn't plan that out. God arranged it to be that way. So as we go to people just like us in our everyday life, look, we live in republic. 99% of the people around us are just like us. God wants to use you in power to make disciples, to transform people's lives, to, 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 to see Him as Lord. And as they begin to follow that, 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 that they, they are pierced in their heart. Of what is unrighteousness? So that they can repent and walk in righteousness. The same thing God has done for many of us. Pray for three sheets that we give. It's just a tool to keep this in front of you daily. Of people who you know that are around you 
that need to see Jesus as Lord. So that we're praying for them and we're asking God, how do you want me to make disciples of them? See, we can attend church. We can serve in church. That's all great and that's all biblical. But God wants every one of us to be disciple makers. It's 50, 55 in this room right now. What if just 55 people decided, I'm going to be a disciple maker. I'm not going to settle for a church attendance. I'm not going to settle for, for just serving. I am going to be a disciple maker. And when we go out into our community, I'm a disciple maker. When we come in here, maybe I'm not supposed to serve today. Maybe I'm just a sitter today. But how can I help be a disciple maker today? How? So we have our time of reflection. Ask God that, this simple question. How do you want me to be a disciple maker? Because that's how he wants to use us in power. is to see lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we can change communities here in Republic and change communities all around the world. How does he want you to be a disciple maker. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for what you've done and that you've not only changed our life, you've not only transformed us, but you have empowered us and given us the power and the authority to go out in your name to make disciples. This is a lifelong process. We'll never be, all, we'll never be perfect at this. But give us the ability to step out today and do what you have told us to do. Give us, give us uh, 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 visions of seeing people, certain people, and, 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 and how you want us to interact with that. Allow us to, 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 to see people in our mind who you want us to pray for. That we can see conversations that, that you want us to have. That you can see, that we can see, that you put in our minds ways to serve those specific people. And that that's how you want to use us in power of, of walking out and, 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 and starting by serving and praying for them. God, you said you would do wonders and miracles that might look different today than what they did in the first century and what they do in another country, but wonders and miracles nonetheless for people to go, wow, I, I thought Jesus was a nut job, but man, maybe he is Lord. Because we can't convince people of that. We can lay it out there. We can talk to But you are the one that transforms minds. Do something in an amazing way in people's lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As the band plays and, and we reflect and we worship, worship the one who has transformed your life 
and wants to transform others. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. You can find us on Facebook by searching My Crosspoint.